Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Are you ready for what God has for you today? Whether you are in the room live, watching online, or later on demand, I know one thing for sure. God wants to do something new in you. There's nothing more exciting than knowing that God is at work, even if we can't see what He's doing and have to wait a while to find out. He's always good, so our lives are safe and secure in His hands, no matter what that new thing is. I'm Chris Voigt, and I have the immense privilege of leading the team here at Dayspring. It certainly keeps me on my toes, because that team expends endless energy helping people grow. If you are visiting Dayspring today, we want you to know that you can come as you. We're just like you, regular people on a journey discovering what God has for us each day, and each day saying yes to becoming like Jesus, one step at a time. Which means that no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, this is a good place to figure out what your yes is today, and tomorrow, and the next day. Slowly becoming like Jesus. We haven't arrived yet, so we can be good company on the journey. Even if you aren't sure the Christian life is a journey you want to be on, this is a good place to ask questions as you look for answers. So welcome. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church, by checking out our Facebook page, or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find a discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Now, let's join our service. I love to give gifts that are thoughtful expressions of my relationship with the person that I'm giving the gift to. Uh, Besides the gift, I want to communicate that, uh, uh, that, that my sincere heart, a message of love for the gift recipient, I want to connect with their heart as they feel known and loved. Is that just me or does anybody else feel that way? <laughs> my problem is I'm bad at it. Seriously bad at it. We get to Christmas and the crush of everything going on during the Christmas season makes my mind go blank. Dee Dee? Do I even know Dee Dee that well? I can't think of anything to get her that would communicate how much she means to my life, how much richer she makes my existence. My mind just goes blank. Uh, some people are really great at gift giving. I want to be great at gift giving, but since I'm not, <laughs> short of the Holy Spirit whispering some surprise blessing I could, that I could give someone, gift cards come in pretty handy. <laughs> I may not know what she wants, but I know where she likes to shop. <laughs> As, as we're preparing our hearts to celebrate the birth of Jesus this Christmas, we're closing out the year with a new series called The Gift. Uh, this series comes to us with the help of Craig Grishel and our friends at Life Church in Oklahoma. And over, over the next three weeks, we're going to be taking a deeper look at the three gifts the gospel writer Matthew tells us that the wise men gave to Jesus when he was born. Until recently, I never really thought much uh, about the meaning behind the gifts. I just assumed that they were the gift cards of Jesus' day. Turns out I was wrong. God is in the gift, is in the business of meaningful gifts, so it should be no surprise that there was deeper meaning with each of these. 
Now, I don't want to assume that we're all familiar with the details of the story, so let me just set the, set the stage. Jesus was born in the village of Bethlehem. It wasn't a big city. It's estimated that only a few hundred people lived there at the time. Although at the time of Jesus' birth, there was an influx of visitors returning to their ancestral homes to register for the census decreed by the Emperor Augustus, which is why Joseph and Mary were there at all. And voila, Jesus is born in a stable. This was also during the reign of King Herod, who was a Roman governor over Israel. He allowed, they allowed him to be called king but he was a Roman governor. Matthew chapter 2 puts it this way, beginning in verse 1. Jesus was born in Judea, Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So these wise men, who might also be called magi, were royal astrologers from the east, and they had traveled a great distance to worship Jesus. How many wise men were there? If you look at the nativity scene you've got set up at home, how many wise men do you see? According to your nativity, how many wise men were there? Let's just say it out loud together. There were three wise men. Hello, we three kings of Orient are... Except, in our nativity in the back of the room, we have an amber alert out for one of them. He's probably sunning himself on the beach in Hawaii. So there's only two back there. <laughs> but how many wise men were there? Really? We don't know. Tradition holds that there were three, probably because Matthew mentions three gifts. But we, we don't really know. There could have been three, but chances are there were dozens what we do know is that these men were highly educated, incredibly wealthy, probably pretty powerful men who were desperate to, we to meet the one who might be the savior of the world. Matthew chapter 2 verse 10 tells us that when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. By this time, Jesus and his family had been given a room upgrade. They entered the, the house, saw baby Jesus with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped Jesus. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave them their gifts. Several Costco packs of diapers and diaper baby wipes. Some, uh, some blue onesies that said, I'm the bomb, just checked my diaper. And, and a safety rated donkey seat for the trip home. Everything a brand new team mom would want for her newborn baby, right? No, of course not. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gold frankincense and myrrh not white jade and not hummus. <laughs> Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, three gifts that were not only valuable, not only practical, but also deeply spiritual. Bible scholars agree that these gifts were far more than just useful for this family, as we're going to discover over the next three weeks. But they also foreshadowed some images that Jesus would represent in the years to come. Gold, valuable in itself, represented the kingship of Jesus. Myrrh, which we'll talk about next week, represented Jesus as the suffering servant or as the Lamb of God. Today, we're going to talk about frankincense, or as we call it in our household, freakincense, thanks to a little four-year-old. So if I mess up, 
and call it the wrong thing, you'll know why. Frankincense is made from the resin of the Boswellia tree, which grows, typically grows in this, the dry mountainous regions of India, Africa, and the Middle East. It is an incredibly versatile oil that can be inhaled, although it doesn't smell very good, kind of a woody, spicy smell. It can also be absorbed through the skin or taken as a supplement. It possesses antiseptic, astringent, carminative, diuretic, digestive, sedative, uterine, and vulnerary therapeutic properties. And if you can tell me what all of that means without the assistance of Siri or Google, I'll buy you a dollar Diet Coke from McDonald's. In words that we can't all understand, Healthline.com says that frankincense may help reduce arthritis. It may improve gut function. It might help improve asthma, may help improve oral hygiene and prevent gum disease, and may have anti-cancer properties. The bottom line is that frankincense was freaking awesome. It, it was a very expensive, very practical gift that helped heal sickness and treat wounds. But even more than that, frankincense was the oil that priests would use during the sacrifices to burn the incense that would then make the smoke that would rise to heaven, symbolizing the prayers of the people rising in faith to God. Which is why Bible scholars agree that frankincense represents the priestliness of Jesus, which we'll be talking about today, Jesus, our high priest, which isn't a concept that most of us are all that familiar with. What is a high priest anyway, and why would Jesus be the high priest? In the Old Testament, the high priest's role was to represent the people to God. He was the middleman, so to speak, between the people and God. He fulfilled his role as representative in two ways. First, it was his responsibility to sacrifice an innocent animal to represent the forgiveness of people's sins. And second, the priest would pray prayers to God on behalf of the people. Sacrifices and prayers. From the moment of original sin back in the Garden of Eden, when Eve sinned against God, there have been two opposing forces at work in the world. The holiness of God and the sinfulness of mankind. Our culture doesn't really like to use the word sin anymore. Uh, in, in, your, in our you-do-you, whatever your truth is is okay, whatever makes you feel good is okay kind of a world, Calling something sin has become taboo. We might say we made a mistake, but it's not really a sin. Who cares about sin when you can make up your own right and wrong? Which makes Santa's job of making a list and checking it twice very challenging. But in order to really understand the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man, we have to come to grips with the reality of sin. As Craig Grishel put it in his version of this message, if we, if we don't understand the holiness of God, we'll always have a casual approach to sin. Until we understand what holiness is and what, what it means that God is holy, we'll never understand the cost of what sin does to us. So what is holiness? What does it mean that God is holy? The word holy comes from the Greek word agios. Agios means separate. It means other. What is God? He is transcendently separate. He is perfect in every single way. He is flawless, 
pure. There is no wrongness or stain in him. He is transcendently other. Holiness isn't just another attribute of God. Holiness is the perfection of all of his attributes. His power is holy. His grace is holy. His goodness is holy. His glory is holy. And it's his otherness, his separateness that makes him worthy of our worship. Our God is holy and we are not. None of us, not you, not your really nice grandma, not Billy Graham, not Mother Teresa, scripture teaches us that not one of us is holy. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of God's standard and sin breaks intimacy with our holy God. That's why God hates sin. It is everything that he's not. It's the opposite of his holiness and it breaks our relationship with him. Our sin separates us from God. It destroys our lives. Once a year, back in the Old Testament, the high priest would make a sacrifice to temporarily cover the sins of the people. It was a temporary payment for the sins of the people. It was known as the Day of Atonement. You might have heard of Yom Kippur. That's the Day of Atonement. It is Judaism's most sacred day of the year and is sometimes called the Sabbath of Sabbaths. It's the day the high priest would sacrifice an innocent animal. Mary's little, in this case, goat, whose fleece was white as snow, paid the price temporarily for the sin of the people. The priest would light the frankincense incense. The incense smoke would rise to heaven, and the priest would go into a place in the tabernacle and later the temple called the Holy of Holies. And he would take the blood of the sacrificed animal and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, symbolizing the death of an innocent one in place of the guilty ones as payment for our sins. And then the high priest would take a second innocent goat and confess the sins of the people, symbolically transferring the sins of the people onto the goat. And then they would drive that goat out into the wilderness and sometimes off a cliff. This is where we get the term scapegoat from. The first goat died as a sacrifice symbolically paying the price of the people's sins. The second goat, the scapegoat, was run out of Dodge, symbolizing that the people's sins have been separated from the people of God. Which, to be honest, is weird. Uh, to our modern ears, the idea of taking an innocent animal, slitting its throat, catching that blood in a bucket, and then smearing it on a mercy seat, and then you pray, that's weird. It's extreme. It's kind of gross. And it doesn't seem very fair, does it? But here's what we have to understand. Because God is completely just, perfectly just, he must punish sin. But God isn't only just. He's also perfectly merciful. So the sacrifice satisfies God's justness and at the same time extends his mercy. The price is paid, but someone else pays the price for the forgiveness of sins. God's holiness is satisfied through his justice while he extends mercy to the people he loves temporarily. This was all under the old covenant of the Old Testament. But we aren't people of the old covenant. 
We're under a new covenant, which means we had a new and better sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 tells us a little bit about our great high priest. His name is Jesus, and he's the one the wise men from so long ago came to worship. He is God's son. Verse 10, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. So it's not just a temporary covering. Our high priest offered his own innocent life as a covering or payment for our sins. And in doing so, satisfied the justice of God while extending mercy to all of God's creation whom he loved so much. The first time I visited Argentina, it was just me and my interpreter valley. We spent the first few days attending to business but found ourselves with a break in the middle of the week. On a lark, we decided it would be fun to fly 1,700 miles south into the middle of Patagonia to climb a glacier. It was either that or go even further and jump over to Antarctica. Uh, as, we, as we got off the plane in frigid weather, I realized that I was planning to tackle a glacier in jeans and a light jacket which I knew wouldn't be enough. I needed to borrow someone else's clothes to stay warm. Here's what Jesus did for us. He took off his priestly robes and he gave them to us. Our righteousness was not enough to bridge the gap of our sins, so he gave us the robes of his righteousness. Scripture tells us that he covered us with his righteousness. It's not yours, it's not mine, it's his. And now, whenever God sees you, he doesn't see your sinfulness. He sees the righteousness of Christ. You are wearing his robes. This is our high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4, 14 and uh, 15 also says that uh, this, he also says this about Jesus, our high priest. So then, since we have a high priest, a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. No matter what you're going through at this very moment, I hope you understand that Jesus gets it. He understands. He, he understands our weaknesses. He gets that we are frail humans who fail time and time again. Jesus understands with firsthand experience what it looks like to go through trials. He sympathizes with our pain. If you feel stressed and overwhelmed right now, he gets it. He felt it in the Garden of Gethsemane when he had been all but abandoned by his friends who then later actually abandoned him. He knew what he would be facing and he fell to his knees overwhelmed by the agony. If you face anxiety, he understands. 
Like, how many of you have a crazy person in your family? You know that distant cousin, aunt, or uncle who drives everyone nuts? If you can't think of anyone crazy in your family, look in the mirror. It's probably you. <laughs> Jesus was the crazy one in his earthly family. When he said he was the Messiah, they said he was a lunatic and came to take him away. He was also conceived out of wedlock. You don't think those rumors followed him? He lived in poverty. He was criticized. He was ridiculed, bullied, tempted by the devil. He grieved the loss of family members and friends. He was betrayed, rejected, even felt abandoned by God on the cross. He wasn't, but he felt that way. Have you ever felt that way? Has, like God has abandoned you? And even though through it all he never sinned, he understands, which means that you can trust that he cares. He is our high priest who has experienced the worst this world has to offer. All of the pain of being in a human body, all of the emotions, this is our scapegoat. He gave his life away so that God would never have to look away from us. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And then the Word became flesh, born as a child who loves you, who cares about you. And in the pageantry of a divinely orchestrated event, God sent wise men to offer gifts prophetically declaring the nature of this little bundle of joy, of what he would become. Gold, because he is our king. Myrrh, because he is the suffering servant, the Lamb of God. And frankincense, because he is our high priest, the one who would be sacrificed to pay the price, to pay the penalty for our sins once and for all. And now, who sits at the, at the place of honor, at God's right hand, as he fulfills the second function of a high priest. He advocates. He intercedes with God on our behalf. When we mess up, again, he just says to his father, that one's mine. I've got that covered. Like, how cool is that? And this is why we can, as we continue in Hebrews chapter 4, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You can come boldly to him because he cares. You can come boldly to him because he understands. You can come boldly knowing without a doubt that your high priest who loves you more than anything you could ever understand, more than you could ever understand, will lavish you with mercy and grace where you need it most. It's not rocket science to understand that my granddaughter Avery has me wrapped around her little finger. When she is with us, at some point, she'll generally come up to me and put her arms out in the universal language of pick me up, and then in her sweet little voice, she'll say, Pops, and I know what's coming. She wants something, and she knows that pops will come through. There's no doubt, because she knows I love her. Come boldly before the throne. He loves you. He wants to give you good things, starting with his grace and mercy. He'll never let you down. Let's pray.
Father, we live in a complicated world. We live complicated lives. And life is messy. On the best of days, life is messy. Thank you, God, that in the the middle of our mess, whatever it might be, whatever the pain might be, we know without any doubt that you understand, that you, you get what we're going through and you care more than we could ever understand. Thank you for the robes of your righteousness that allow us to stand before the throne of God boldly, ready to receive the grace and mercy that we so desperately need. Father, we understand that during this Christmas season that it is highly likely that there are people watching or even in the room here today who have never received the righteous robes of Jesus. You're still in your sin, stuck in your sin, feeling like your messy life is spinning out of control. Understanding that there's an emptiness because you were created for God to fill that and God alone. And if that describes you today, know that it's not too late. God loves you. Jesus loves you. And he wants to become your high priest as he is ours. And I invite you to just say yes. Just pray uh, this very simple prayer that God, I have sinned. I've done life my own way. And it's brought me to this point where I know that I need Jesus. And so I believe, I surrender. I ask you to lead me from this day on. If you've prayed that prayer, here's the, here's the beauty. <laughs> you now wear the righteous robes of your great high priest who died for you once for all. And if you prayed the prayer, I just want to invite you to let us know so that we can help you figure out what the next steps on your journey are. Father, as we celebrate Jesus this season, continue to lead us deeper into awe of the God who made a way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Let me encourage you to download the discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions alone or with others will help the truth of God's word find its place in your life. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen or you can call the church during the week. Faithful people like you make this ministry possible. 
people who believe in what God is doing through Dayspring, who have experienced God's work in and through their own lives and been changed in the process. If you are just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. That is the responsibility of our Dayspringers. We are simply excited to play a small part as God does His perfect work in you today. For those of you who would like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail us a check at the address you'll find on our website. And one more thing, thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you connect with us. Thank you for rating us where that is appropriate. Even more, thank you for sharing our services with your friends and family. God uses you to plant seeds in other people's lives, so keep sowing. And if this service was a blessing to you, it'll probably be a blessing to someone else too. Until we meet again, may you experience great joy in the presence of Jesus this holiday season.